Wish, how are you? I am uh, great, thank you. A little, little scratchy voice. Oh, no. Uh, I don't know if that's uh, – I got, I got like a head cold, and also I've been playing a lot of bar trivia. So that could be like the combination of factors. Right. Well, did you at least win bar trivia then? So we came in second last night. All I, right, I well, we're going to let Tuesday. you go because we only talk to winners here. So that's Well, uh... well hold on. I came, I came in first on Monday when I played it in, in, in Bristol with my ESPN coworkers. Okay. Oh, okay. And, and Emily and, and Ryan and them. We won then. But then last night we lost on the last question because oh. – and, and this is embarrassing. Uh, I, I didn't – our team did not know when the novel Pride and Prejudice was published. Uh, apparently it Wait, was 1814. Is that thing, a thing that's supposed to be like common knowledge? Well, here's the thing. I don't think it is, but but like I said to to my wife last night, like I can tell you that Star Wars came out in 1977. <laughs> like, I know that chapter yeah. and verse. If you're a Jane Austen fan, and maybe there was one on the other team that beat us, it's entirely possible that you just know that date, right? Or you looked at your phone. I I, I was I know when I was stumbling out of the bar last night, I was convinced that they looked at their phone. That's for sure. sure. Yeah. Uh, but it's possible that they just kind of knew the date, much like you know a Star Wars fan knows 77. Uh, a Canucks fan knows that they lost in Game 7 in 94, you know, things like that. Yeah, the only person that would know that answer is somebody who's teaching Literature 12 uh, in a high school. Like, you might have just <laughs> you might have just ran into a team with uh, an English teacher on the other side. <laughs> it's entirely possible. What is the uh, Bristol trivia like? Is it uh, all, all sports, or is it uh, the, the, the exclusion of sports questions? No, no, no. It's one of those deals where we were, we were having dinner at this bar, and then all of a sudden, trivia started happening. Oh, I right? see. And and so you're doing that thing where you're like, all right, I'll just stick around for a few questions, try my luck. And, and now all of a sudden, at one point when we were going to maybe like shuffle off, the person running trivia came over to me and Ryan Clark, and, and, and he was like, by the way, you guys are winning by a lot. I'm like, ah, <laughs> crap. Here we go. Now we're in it. <laughs> you know? yeah. So so we stayed the whole time, and, and we're victorious. So it was, at least it was worth staying around for. But no, no, no. They know that you – they, they, they assume any large group of people that are getting all the sports questions right work for ESPN, obviously, but yeah. it's not like sports trivia. I wish it was. There One was of my a, dreams is to do a, a full hockey trivia night slash podcast here in New York. That'd be really dope. I just I know there's an audience for it. I just got to find a way to pull it together. I, I love going to pub trivia, and then when the sports questions, the entire table, my teammates all just look at me, and I was like, man, I don't know golf necessarily. Like, don't <laughs> what? I don't know the birth date of Sergio Mameso. Like, why are you looking at me? <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, it all. Do, I think the good thing about me is like they know they know it depends on the sport. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm not I'm not answering a, a modern baseball question necessarily correctly, but everything else I can get. Uh, we're talking to Greg Wyshynski, uh, whose latest is up at uh, uh, ESPN.com. Bold predictions. Uh, you mentioned one uh, for the Vancouver Canucks. Thatcher Demko leads all the NHL goalies in appearances. Uh, you're not buying the hype that they have to limit the amount of games? Well, I understand they've said that, and I understand that, you know, in, in brief a brief uh, audition last year that, that, that Spencer Martin played pretty well. But um, listen, man, you're going to make the playoffs. You've got a you've got a guy that can handle the workload, who I think plays really well when he's when he's playing a lot, and you got to ride that horse, man. Look at Nashville, given the starts they gave to Soros last year. Look at Winnipeg, most seasons, and the starts they give to Hellebuck. I'm not, I, they shouldn't shy away from riding Demko as hard as they can in order to have him carry this team to a playoff spot, because I think that's that's the best path for this team right now is to you know, hand the ball to their best players, see what they can do, and I think Demko's one of them. So I know they've talked about limiting his starts and things of that nature, 
all it takes is a few bum starts from your backup before all of a sudden you're playing tempo every night. And I think that's I, I, that's my bold prediction is that's what as that's the way it plays out. Well, the thing that we've been talking about this week too uh, about you know the the workload is the thing that's going to be the biggest indicator of if he gets starts is where they are positioned in the standings as well. So if if you're of the mind that this is going to be a bubble team and maybe fighting to get in the playoff spot, then yeah, those starts are going to go up because Boost Boudreaux is going to look down the bench and say, hey, I need two points tonight. I can't trust Spencer Martin as good as he might be. I'm going to go with my starter. Yeah, that's an excellent point. And, and, and I think that's where they'll end up being. Um, the, the West is really interesting because if you look at the Central Division right now, you could say that there are five teams with legitimate claim at the playoffs, and, and that's without saying what Winnipeg might end up being. Um, and, and so now you look at the Pacific and you say to yourselves, okay, Edmonton's great. Uh, Calgary should be good. I, I mean, if, if the patchwork that Bradshaw Living did on the hull of the ship <laughs> keeps the, the water out uh, with the reacquisitions of Kadri and, 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 um, and Huberto, which I think it will. And then, you know, Vegas is an interesting team because I think they're one of those teams that will be good enough in all other areas of the team to overcome what will be average to below average goaltending. And then L.A. is, is trending up. So there's a lot of really good teams in position to make the playoffs that are slotted ahead of Vancouver, and then there are a few that are right on the same plane as Vancouver. But I do think that they're going to be in the mix for one of those final playoff spots, either the third place spot in the Pacific or, or one of those wild cards. But, yeah, I mean, if they're close, it's hard to imagine that they won't run Demko into the ground in the last you know month of the season just to try to make it in. Yeah, one of the uh, the big talking points in this city as well, uh, JT Miller in that conversation is passed now. He's obviously ended up signing that contract, but Bo Horvat, folks, is the uh, captain of this team, and he's got a deal that expires after this year. Uh, something we were talking about a little bit earlier on in the show is that I feel like, you know, being in the fishbowl of Vancouver, sometimes people love his game too much. Sometimes people are maybe <laughs> too low on his game. As a player, what is your perception of Bo Horvat? Looking at the player from a distance, I love his game, <laughs> I really do, and 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 I think that um, you know he's a he's a player you have to find a way to commit to for multiple seasons. Um, I I would take him on my team in a millisecond. Um, he's one of the guys on that Vancouver roster I don't necessarily have questions about. I was a little surprised, to be honest with you, to see them jump into bed again with Brock Besser so quickly. Um, that's just a guy that I think runs hot and cold. I I listen. Whenever you find someone who can score goals with the efficiency that he can score goals, you have to give pause and, and, and take it all in and, and think about, okay, we should maybe find a way to stick with this guy in the future. But at the same time, I just feel like the inconsistency, the hot and coldness, the in and out of the lineupness that we've seen from him in his career, um, he's the guy that kind of gave me pause. I, if there's a hesitation on Horvat, I don't quite get it, but Besser was the guy that gave me pause. And so I was a little surprised when they recommitted with him especially with that sort of swirl of, of trade rumors that's kind of been around him for the last maybe like year and a half. And there is some, you know, depth on that side now for the Canucks as well. They've got, you know, wingers. Uh, they committed to Ilya Mikheyev. They've got something in <laughs> Andre Kuzmenko. We'll see what that is. You got Connor Garland. But going back to Bo Horvat for a second, uh, the idea is, and uh, Jim Rutherford was on the station yesterday to say, hey, we're, we're going to try to get this done. But Greg, if they don't get this done and he does work his way to July 1st, where does he stack up? You think there'd be like you know teams basically pushing each other aside to get their hands on this guy because it feels like, as to your point, he's got a great reputation around the league, and sometimes I feel like in this city we might undervalue uh, the player he's been for the last three four years. Sure, and like he's going to end up being what is he going to be like, 
28 maybe by the time that hits next summer. I'm not yeah. sure when he's, I think yep. he's around that age now. So, I mean, he's still going to be kind of in his prime years too, and he obviously plays a position that's very desirable. But, you know, it, it all depends on, on cap situations, and, and in the situation with Vancouver, the same thing applies. It's like if you decide to, to spend your money elsewhere in your lineup, and you don't necessarily have the money to commit to, to Horvath that other, another team might because they've cleared out space and they're in the want and need of a center like him, then, I mean, that's just how you've decided to design your cap. And, and again, we're only going to have to do this for a couple more years before the cap starts really going up and we can start, uh, you know, breathing a little bit easily, <laughs> more easily and, and seeing teams kind of uh, be able to maneuver their own contracts a little bit easier than they can now. But for now, it's, you know, you choose to spend money on Miller, you choose to spend money on Besser, um, you know, then, then all of a sudden your, your economics are kind of in place and the, and the Horvat situation becomes what it is. Talking to Greg Wyshynski from ESPN, kind of sifting through your bold predictions as well. You, you made another one uh, that in St. Louis, Ryan O'Reilly, uh, that situation just plays itself out. And this is the last season we see O'Reilly in St. Louis. It feels like there's a an undercurrent, because we've been talking about this on this show, about teams that were really interested for off-ice off drama. Philadelphia gets a lot of acclaim for this. Winnipeg gets a lot. I feel like this situation could kind of be a sneaky uh, story throughout the course of the season. Well, he talked about it today um, and, you know, said he's not really concerned about the fact he doesn't have an extension. You know, he's had conversations with Doug Armstrong. He's pretty sure he's going to get it done. And, you know, I, I don't know if the St. Louis reporters just recycled their quotes from Alex Petrangelo or not <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to publish their stories on O'Reilly today. But we've heard this song before uh, from somebody wearing the Captain C in, uh, in St. Louis. In fact, we also heard it from David Backus, previous to Petrangelo leaving as a free agent as well. So, you know, there's a grand tradition in that market of guys getting to a certain age, being the captain, then being no longer there when they want, you know, big, fat, new contract extensions. So that plays into it. But the other part of it, too, and, and I wrote about this today in the column, is I'm not quite sure where, the, where Vladimir Tarasenko is. Um, uh, vis-a-vis the future of the Blues. I mean, you know, we remember the trade demand. Things kind of got ironed out last year. I, I don't know if it's been rescinded or not, but he, he clearly is in a different place, in a more positive place than he was when he was asking out. And looking at what he did last season, I mean, there's no question. He's extraordinarily valuable to what they do, puts up great numbers, looked like himself again, meshed well with their young guys that are going to be the next generation of this team. And so... He's a UFA, too, and, and if you end up paying him and you end up paying some of the other younger guys in the roster that need new deals and you've already paid Thomas and you've already paid Cairo, at some point, I don't know if you're going to be able to scare up the kind of money for Ryan O'Reilly that another team might be able to, a team that's like undoubtedly you know, close to the cup and looking for their con Smythe caliber contributor in the middle that, that O'Reilly could be the final piece of the puzzle for somebody else. You're listening to The People Show. We're joined by Greg Wyshynski of ESPN. And, Greg, you know, one of the uh, the situations to watch, I would say the, the most interesting situation is Winnipeg and the Jets. And Rick Bonus basically pulling a Stone Cold Steve Austin, walking into the ring and hitting everybody with a Stone Cold stunner, especially <laughs> as captain or as former captain. Uh, we had Brendan Dillon on the show a couple of days ago, and he was talking about how that relationship is developing and the dynamic in the locker room. What's it going to be like in Winnipeg this year? Because I feel like that one – you know, is starting off in a certain place, but Rick Bonus does not owe anybody anything in that locker room. It could either hit really well or it could go the other way. Yeah. Well, you know, the reputation on Winnipeg around the league is that the, the room is being run by a group of guys and, and veteran guys, and it's not very hard to figure out who those guys are. 
And it was one of the reasons why I think some coaches were hesitant to go there. Um, the word is out that, you know, the inmates are running to the asylum, for lack of a better analogy. And so, you know, Rick Bonus obviously wasn't the first choice there. He might not even have been the fourth choice there. But he comes in, and he does the thing that, you know, we always see, which is, you know, the, the, the new guy in, in the prison beats up the biggest inmate, right? And so he strips Wheeler of the captaincy. He basically, you know, challenges the group that had been running that place and says, you know, we're going to destabilize the power structure of this team a little bit. And uh, I honestly did not expect that level of boldness from Rick Bonus. I thought he was going to come in and be a caretaker of that team. And lo and behold, he comes in and, and just throws down the gauntlet. So I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how it all plays out. It, it could be one of those deals where the team rallies around mutual hate of the coach. Who's to say? <laughs> but, but, uh, but, I mean, I think when you look at that situation, you look at the trajectory of that roster and that team, you have to imagine that changes are afoot at some point. I mean, like Pierre-Luc Dubois, you know, obviously is, is in a place where everybody expects that he's not going to be there for very, very much longer. There's always talk about trading Stripley now. So I'm, I'm going to be fascinated to see how the season plays out because I, I honestly think that there's about, what, one, two, three, four, five better teams in them in their own division. So if things don't go very well, you wonder if this is the last run for that roster. How many teams do you look at across the league? Because, it, it, like, last season was very much a have and have-nots. Um, how many teams do you think bounce out of the playoffs this upcoming year? It's a really good question. I haven't, I haven't done the back of the cocktail napkin ranking of <laughs> who I think makes it and who I think doesn't. Um, the only team that I've sort of predicted is going gonna, is gonna to fall out is Washington. I'm not enamored with them. I think some of the injuries you're dealing with early on might, might cause some issues. I'm not the hugest, biggest Darcy Kemper fan, if we're being honest. Um, I, I, I mean, he's obviously going to be uh, an improvement over what they had last year but I don't think he's sort of the cure-all for, for everything for Washington. So they're the only team that I think is teetering. And I, and I also think that's because I think the Islanders are going to be better than they were last year. And then you've got the Devils and some teams in that division that might be you know on the rise a little bit. Um, so that's the only one I can really say for sure that I'm looking at is potentially falling out. Because otherwise, I mean, I'm not quite sure in the West who falls out, to be honest with you. I mean, I've seen some people look at Dallas and say that's a possibility. Pete DeBoer don't miss in his first season, boys. <laughs> you know, like, he, he gave the Panthers uh, their first 100-point season since the 90s when he arrived in Florida. He bought the Devils and the San Jose Sharks to the Stanley Cup final in their, his first year with both of those teams. Um, Vegas was great in his first year there, too. I mean, like, you don't miss in year one. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, thinking Dallas is going to make the playoffs. And then when you get Nashville – uh, the Wild, uh, the Blues, the um, and, and then the Avalanche in that division. I mean, it's again, it's hard to figure out exactly who might fall out. Uh, he is Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. Uh, Wish, we appreciate it. Rest up, and uh, we'll talk to you during the season. Anytime, boys. Thanks. That is Greg Wyshynski from ESPN, NHL writer, here on The People Show, Bick Nazar and Randy Janda.